Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Find a Bible this morning and to turn to the second passage, please. The second passage printed there, Luke chapter 10. That's the page number, page 869, page 869, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And I'm going to read from verses 25 to 37. We're in a series looking at the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And this morning, kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. And so we come to Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Let me just say, as you find your place, how good it is to be back with you. Last Sunday, I was in the United States. And I want to simply thank you for your patience as a church family. We're in a season, uh, a really busy season of fundraising for our building project. I want to thank you for letting me go. I don't enjoy being away, and I can assure you, Uh, You only need a couple of Sundays away from Trinity uh, just to realize how wonderful it is to be your minister, to be here with you again. It's a joy, a joy to be back with our church family this morning. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 25, this well-known story. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put the Lord Jesus to the test, saying, teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the man, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Amen. Let's pause. Let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, gathered together before you 
We have one simple, single aim to hear you speak. No one else speaks to us the way you do. Nobody else knows us the way you know us. And so in your hands we are open to you. Speak, we pray. For we are listening and more than this, we long to be different. We long to love you more. So hear us, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. Kindness is an easy one, right? We all know what kindness is. Somebody has said that kindness, kindness is a language which the dumb can speak and the deaf can understand. It's beautiful. And I think perhaps the beauty of kindness grows with age, doesn't it? The extent and the nature of somebody's kindness tends to be what I notice about somebody the older that I get. I don't know whether it's something about getting older. Noticing a sycamore tree chopped down in England becomes an act of great savagery, unkindness, doesn't it? I read on Friday, love's success is largely dependent on the right tools and kindness is perhaps its best. Kindness as a tool of love. The world is so unkind, isn't it? So cruel. Think about social media where so many spend so much time. It is a place of such hostility, such meanness, such harshness that when you come across sheer unadulterated kindness, it can take your breath away. What about our passage this morning, Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan? Did that take your breath away? Why? Or why not? Not all kindness is kindness. Jacob showed kindness to Esau and robbed him of his birthright. Do you remember Jael in the book of Judges? She gave Caesar a bottle of milk and some rest, kindness, and while he slept, drove a tent peg through his head. Delilah was kind to Samson and stole his strength. So often, isn't it true, we are kind because we want something back from people in return. Our kindness can manipulate for our own ends. But the kindness of God is not like this. No, the kindness of God, friends, is not natural. The kindness of God is not natural. You're, you're not born with this in your soul. It's not embedded in your personality. Kindness as a fruit of God's Spirit is a supernatural work. And I want to show you why this morning, as we come to God's Word together, it doesn't matter how nice you are. And friends, let me say, some of you are very nice. Very nice. Know that the, the kindness of God in our lives is an alien kindness. It is a changed heart kindness where, where you look at something that you've just said or done and you know deep in your bones that you wouldn't naturally have said or done that. You couldn't have done it unless God has been killing the flesh in you. 
killing the old you, laying you in the grave with the Lord Jesus and raising you to new life with Him. Forming His life in you. Oh, kindness as a fruit of the Spirit is one of the sweetest things you can taste. But it is not normal. So I want to give us this stunning parable, this shocking parable. Yes, this well-known parable this morning. And I want to give it to you as we come, as you can see laid out in front of you this morning, to this, the Lord's table. What a welcome He gives us. I want us to see two things which I think take us to the heart of this story. I want to show you this morning, number one, the shock that real kindness is. The shock that real kindness is. And secondly, I want to show us the soil where true kindness grows. The soil where true kindness grows. Both of these points grow out of verse 29. Have a look at verse 29 in the story. This man, this lawyer, it is his second question to Jesus. And it is this second question in verse 29 that leads Jesus to publish his parable. There are two parts to it. Verse 29, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? You see, the answer to that question is the shock where real kindness lies. The answer to that question is the shock where real kindness lies. Kindness, friends, I need to say it again. Kindness is not being nice. Kindness is not smiling sweetly. Now, let let me put it like this. Kindness, the fruit of God's Spirit, kindness is absorbing into yourself pulling it into you a world of hatred and hostility and letting it die with you so that instead what you give out is love to your enemies. Love to your enemies. There's the fruit of the Spirit right there. Love for an enemy. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to love an enemy? How did it go? If you've ever done it, then without me knowing the specifics of what it is you did, I know this. I know that it cost you. And I know that it hurt. And maybe, just maybe, it changed the world. Maybe you'll never see the fruit of that seed of enemy love that you planted, but, oh, the Bible says it will grow and grow. And the second point that we're going to look at this morning, the soil where true kindness grows. Just look again at verse 29 and tell me, what is the soil of this man's heart? But he, verse 29, desiring to justify himself. Desiring to justify himself. Is there any oxygen in that kind of heart for kindness? Is there any nutrients there for kindness? Any H2O for kindness growing there? Number one, the shock that real kindness is. The shock that true kindness actually is. Here is what our lawyer friend does. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's what Jesus says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ah, yes, says the lawyer. Could you just define the word neighbor for me? This man is an expert in the law, isn't he? So with all due respect to you lawyers this morning, arguing over words, isn't it? It's what you do. Ah, ah, yes, says the man. I, I know you're using that word, but what does it actually mean? Can we have a debate, Jesus, please, about the word neighbor? Maybe it doesn't mean what you think it means. Maybe its meaning is broader. Maybe it's more narrow. Let's debate it, please, Jesus. No, says Jesus. Let's not. Let's have a story instead. And friends, like we know so well by now, don't we? As the Lord Jesus, verse 30, begins this story, you know what he's doing, don't you? He's getting out his mirror. And as he speaks, he's holding a mirror in front of this man. Dear Mr. Lawyer, as I tell you the story, can you see yourself in here? Can you see yourself in here? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, in a way, that verse on its own, verse 30, is the answer to this man's question. Who is my neighbor? And here's a man lying naked in the road, beaten to within an inch of his life. What do you think, Mr. Barrister? Is this man your neighbor? And like he nearly always does, Jesus takes the person he's talking to, the lawyer, and he inserts him into the story in disguise. He slips the man into the parable. This expert in the law now appears in the story, but he appears in two different forms. He appears as a priest and as a Levite. In other words, here are two men just like you, Jesus is saying. Two men like you who could have answered the question, who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Their whole lives are devoted to the law. When they're not serving in the temple, the job of priests was to safeguard the law. The job of Levites was to keep the law by making sure alms were being given to the poor. Here are two men just like you, Mr. Lawyer. Do they know the answer to your question? Who is my neighbor? Verse 31. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw the man stripped and beaten, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. No, they do not know the answer to your question. They don't know who a neighbor is. But now look at verse 33. Friends, Jesus blows the doors off this big man's little world. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. Do you know the American cavalry used to say of the Apache Indians, the only good Apache is a dead Apache. In this man's world, the lawyer's world, in the priest's world, in the Levite's world, the only good Samaritan is a dead Samaritan. The only good Samaritan is a Samaritan with the life beaten out of him. 
Samaritans were a mongrel race. Half-breed people. They were unclean. They were idolaters. And look what the Samaritan does. What is it that he does? He shows, doesn't he, that he is keeping the law. He shows that he's doing everything that the Old Testament law pointed to. Look how the story is told. The priest sees and passes by. The Levite sees and passes by. But the Samaritan, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He showed kindness to him. Brothers and sisters, this morning, the Lord Jesus knows that his lawyer friend has a sight problem. He has a sight problem. He can read the law just fine, but his eyes aren't working. Do you know what his sight problem is? This man sees lines where there shouldn't be any lines. He draws lines between people. He puts up boundaries between people where there should be no boundaries. Friends, can you tell what Jesus knows about this man when he he asks, who is my neighbor? Let me put it like this. This man is not asking, who should I love? He's asking Jesus, can you tell me, please, who I do not have to love? Isn't that right? He's not asking, who should I love? How how quick can I get out there? He's asking Jesus, can you tell me, please, who I don't have to love? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I'm I'm happy to do that, Lord. but it would sure just help to know who I don't have to love and who I should so that I can put all the weight on the ones that I should. And there, right there, right there, says Jesus, is your problem. You you look at people and you want to know which side of the line are they on. Are they Jew or Gentile? Are they clean or unclean? Are they like me or unlike me? You you see people and you want to know whether you should stop moving or keep moving. But kindness and love doesn't work like that, Jesus is saying. Can you see in my story, here is a person who doesn't even ask the kind of questions you were asking, and look who it is. He is the person you love to hate. And yet look at him being a neighbor loving his enemy. Friends, we need help with this, don't we? Verse 33. Put your eyes on verse 33. But an Islamic state jihadi, as he journeyed, came to where the Christian was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. What about this one? But an Englishman, traveling, journeying, came to where the Scotsman was. And had compassion on him. Russell Brand. As he journeyed. Came to where the woman was. And had compassion on her. No, 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 Jesus. Somebody like that cannot teach me about kindness. Someone like that can't teach me about kindness. I'm up here. We know about people like that. They're down there. See, the the force of this story is this. How you feel when you see the kind of person you think you're better than acting in ways that are closer to what God wants than you act 
reveals how kind you really are. Can I say it again? How, how I feel when, when I see the kind of person that I think I'm better than actually acting in ways that are closer to what God wants than I ever act reveals just how kind I really am. Reveals how well I love. You, you think you're better than X? When was the last time you showed kindness like this? Are you just better than them in your head? Or actually in your heart, really? Brothers and sisters, this morning, kindness, kindness is to stop distinguishing friends from enemies. Kindness is to stop distinguishing friends from enemies. Love your enemies. That is the shock that true kindness is. Anybody can be kind to people we like. Anybody can be kind to people we want something from. Only God's people with a new heart deep inside, a heart that has been first of all killed and laid in the grave and then raised again to life. Only God's people reach across the divide and take an enemy by the hand and lavish them with love. Friends, stop distinguishing neighbors from non-neighbors. Love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Answer, every single human being on earth that is not you. Friends, you want to have the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our veins? Leave here this morning determined to remove all lines from our lives. All lines, Scottish, English, black, white, rich, poor, borders. Remove all the lines. Think about it up close and personal. Family feuds and relational rifts and generational gaps. Is it in your power to heal? To to overcome, to reach across, to seek restoration? Then do so. It's what Jesus says, isn't it? Right at the end. We love the story of the Good Samaritan and Jesus says, now go and do likewise. Friends, if you're sitting this morning staring at the divides in your home and and, and you're only nursing them, you're, you're only putting oxygen on them and keeping it warm for when you need it to be able to retaliate and to send that text or that email or to be able to turn down that invitation because you know it will hurt. Maybe you're kind of like this man asking the Lord Jesus a question he should never have had to ask. For when any human being can look at another human being in any form of distress and need and not feel pity that moves them to action, something has gone wrong. Kindness doesn't draw lines. And more than this, friends, look, this really struck me just here as I was reading it out loud. Kindness, when it is the fruit of the Spirit, not just doesn't draw lines, it doesn't set limits. See, feel the flow of the story. Look, look what the Samaritan does. Look, look how quickly verse 31 passes. Verse 31, the priest, the Levite, they get one verse each. But now verse 33, when they're gone, look what happens with the Samaritan. The pace slows right down. And look how packed it is with neighbor love details. 
What does not loving your neighbor look like? It looks like nothing. They feel nothing. But what does neighbor love, true love, look like? He feels pity. They keep moving. Look how Jesus tells it. He went to him, dresses his wounds. The, the priest and the Levite kept their oil and their wine in their saddlebags, kept the oil and the wine undefiled, probably so they could use it at the temple again. But, but God loves oil and wine, and he, he pours it out, this man. He, he pours it out. He dismounts. He puts the man on his own animal and he walks and he takes him to accommodation and he stays with him for the night and he pays for it the next day. He puts somebody in charge of him. He commits to coming back for him and commits to spending even more money on him. It's like Jesus just can't add in enough details to see, to help us to see this man sets no limits on his care. It's amazing, isn't it? Look at the two ways to live. Who do I not have to love? How can I love someone else without limits? How can I love them and love them and love them and give and give again? The the Samaritan encountered delay, loss, cost, inconvenience, adjusted plans, reoriented schedule for a man he did not know and a man he had never met. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it clear? Isn't it challenging? Christian kindness, friends, requires an intensity of preoccupation with somebody else. An intensity of preoccupation with the individual. That is the test of love, isn't it? For for the whole human race in general, it's easy to say we love them. But to somebody with a name and a particular need and a particular set of challenges, well, there's the rub. Many of you I know have read some of the writings of Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, In her memoir about the journey, her, her journey from being a committed lesbian to becoming a committed Christian, Rosaria Butterfield tells the story how she once published a critique of an evangelical Christian group in her local newspaper. And she says, I hated Christians. The name of Jesus stuck in my throat. I hated his people. And when she published this critique in her local newspaper, she says she received an enormous volume of polarized responses. She says, I placed an empty box in each corner of my desk and I sorted the hate mail and the fan mail into two piles. And then, she says, the longest letter I received was from a local pastor, and it belonged in neither box. It was, she said, the kindest letter that I had ever received in my life. Friends, would you know how to write a letter like that? Would I know? And this parable says to us, if in our heads we're saying, yes, I would, then Jesus says, well, when was the last time you wrote one? Do you remember Augustine? When he was converted, he said about Ambrose, the bishop of Milan, he said to him, it was not your great sermons, nor your great rhetoric that drew me to Christ. It was your kindness. Your kindness. Listen to Bishop J.C. Ryle. 
He says this, our kindness must not merely extend to our families and friends and relations. Do you know, actually, as I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, that's easy to say. Isn't it true it is often our families is the hardest place to show kindness? We think it's easy, but actually, they're the people we live with. We rub up against them. But he says this, our kindness must not merely extend to our families and friends and relations. We must love all men and be kind to all whenever occasion requires. We must beware of an excessive strictness in scrutinizing the past lives of those who need our aid. Are they in real trouble? Are they in real distress? Do they really want help? Then, according to the teaching of this parable, we ought to be ready to assist them. We should regard the whole world as our parish and the whole race of mankind as our neighbors. We should seek to be the friend of everyone who is oppressed or neglected, or afflicted, or sick, or in prison, or poor, or an orphan, or a heathen, or a slave, or an idiot, or starving, or dying. Oh, the whole world as our parish without scrutinizing the past life of those who need our aid. The shock that true kindness is. And I want to, fi- I want to finish with this. Number two. Look at the soil where true kindness grows. Look at the soil where true kindness grows. Look at verse 27. Look at verse 27 with me. I don't know about you, but this morning, this is why I love belonging to God. And he answered, this is the lawyer speaking. He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Life with God, friends, is not rules and regulations. Life with God is not a list of do's and don'ts. No, what He wants from us is love. He, He wants my heart. He wants me, all of me. He wants you, all of you. It's why, isn't it, from start to finish in the Bible, God presents Himself to us as a husband, not a headmaster. He presents his people as a bride. He's not an employer. He's a lover looking for people who love him. And this strikes such a deep chord with us as human beings, doesn't it? It makes sense for we know, don't we, that all you need is love. We long for that to be true. All you need is love. It's what this table says to us this morning, friends. This, this table of grace and love and welcome. So I want to ask you to put your eyes on verse 27 again. All of it. And simply as you listen to ask yourself, how am I doing with that? That's all I want to ask you this morning. How are you doing with verse 27? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And, part two, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing this morning with loving God with all of you? And how are you doing this morning with loving me with all of you? Has anything ever gotten in the way of it? 
How are you scoring yourself? What would you give yourself out of ten? Please don't shout out loud. So, so when you stop and do that, okay? When we do this together, let me ask us, who of us in our right minds when we know what God wants, and when they, they hear the law say this, when we hear the, the Lord Jesus say, do this and you will live, who of us in our right minds would do what this man does next in verse 29? Desiring to justify himself. Isn't that amazing? What has gone wrong in this man's heart that he thinks he can justify himself before God with his love? With his love of his neighbor? Oh friends, it is so easy. All you need is love. And yet we just show again and again and again we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to love, do we? I wonder if you remember several years ago the terrible... Uh, awful incident, the Manchester bomb at the Ariana Grande concert. Do you remember? And, and the city of Manchester is broken. The, the world was reeling. People, in a moment, their lives taken from them, lives shattered and destroyed. And we do what we always do in those situations. We pulled together and staged another concert a week later, only one week later, this time a benefit concert. Do you remember what it was called? It was called the One Love Concert. What we need to beat this, we said, is love, not hate. Let's pull together, be better people. To be different people, we need love. We need to love each other, not bomb each other. It make, makes sense, doesn't it? And for the One Love Concert, the concert one week later, in order to get a free ticket to the One Love concert, you had to have been at the original concert a week previously at the Ariana Grande concert. Friends, do you know that to get to the second concert, over 10,000 people lied and said they had been at the first concert just to get a ticket to the second one? An event staged to help the hurting, to, to heal the dying, the, the, the families shattered, to reach out to them with love, draws out of the human heart a desire to love myself more than my neighbor. Isn't that amazing? 10,000 people lied about love to get to a One Love concert. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. How is it going? Oh, friends, verse 29 is such an awful verse in the Bible. This man is standing tall. You see him there? He's got his shoulders back. He's got his chest out. He thinks he can justify himself. And so, because of that, he is not kind. He, he wants to know who he doesn't have to love. He, he's miles from loving his neighbor, and he's a million miles from loving his enemy. 
And so the Lord Jesus, friends, is teaching us that the way to be someone who shows mercy, verse 37, the way to be someone who shows mercy is to be someone who knows they need mercy. See, God's love and God's kindness in the Bible is not niceness, is it? No, when the Bible speaks about God's kindness, it, it, it uses that word in context where it is the least expected, least natural thing to do. L- listen to this, Ephesians 4. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Okay, so far so good. Next word, forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, the Lord Jesus said, Love your enemies and do good, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Titus, chapter 3, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, what did He do? He saved us. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Friends, God's kindness saves. And it saves the sinner. It heals the broken. It touches the dirty. It finds the lost. And brothers and sisters, when you have received it, when God has been kind to you in the Lord Jesus, when you know just how undeserved it is, How astonished I am that me, the unloving one, has been loved by God like this. That makes me kind. That's the soil where kindness grows. The soil where kindness grows. Do this and you will live, says the Lord Jesus. Do this and you will live. Then we want to say, no, Lord Jesus. Then I must die for I cannot do this and love like this. And instead of standing tall, we we throw ourselves at His feet and on His mercy. What should verse 29 contain? It should contain a lawyer saying, saying to Christ, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, an unkind sinner. Show me how to love my neighbor. Show me how to love my enemy. Brothers and sisters this morning, when we do that, when we do what the man did not do but should have done, what do we find? We find an open hand, the Lord Jesus, lifting our head, takes us by the hand and He leads us here, doesn't He? To this His table of kindness. With with these, His people. Brothers and sisters who He gives us to love inconveniently, forever. Oh, the kindness and mercy of the Lord on every hand to you, to me. Oh, friends, this morning, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. But first, come and eat. First, come and eat. Amen.